Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. Greg Gabriel talks football, and of course, it stars Greg Gabriel. And my name is all. You know what? I, I sorry to interrupt you, my friend, but you know we ought to change the name of this. You're half the damn show. <laughs> no, I mean, I, come on, put your name on there. Now let me show you visually what uh, part of the show that I am. That's the part. I'm that small little part of the show. You're oh, the star. Of the you, yeah, but you, you're doing half the talking or quarter <laughs> no, of the talking. Or, if I'm know. doing half the talking, then I'm doing, making a big mistake. People come here to listen to you, not uh, me. Well, hey, no, they listen to both of us. Oh, uh, well, thank you for the compliment very much. And uh, well, it's all right. I don't give out too many of them. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just going to ask you, to, what, uh, what can you compliment about the Chicago? Chicago Bears performance yesterday and that trouncing they had of the New York Giants. They you know, won. Yeah, they won. Hey, <laughs> you know, that's it, it's two in a row. Mm-hmm. And well, that who, are, who, who is this team? <laughs> that's right. That and you want to get rid of the coach? <laughs> Come on, on the road last week. And and did you see what Seattle did to Detroit yesterday? Oh, my goodness. Unbelievable. Maybe this team's better than people think. No, don't start that. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, that must have hurt you because you spent 17 years with the New York Giants organization, and to see them fall so far, that must have been a kick to the stomach, huh? Um. No, not not really. I I, I got some friends in the organization, including ownership. Um, You know, I I know Chris Mara, Frank Mara, John Mara, all well. Timmy McDonald, who is the uh, uh, co uh, uh, director of player personnel, um, is a Mara. His -hmm. mother's a Mara. Uh, I've known him since he was a ball boy when I worked there, you know, going back to 1984. So, yeah, I I know a lot of people involved there, uh, a class organization. I worked there 17 years. Uh, I don't like seeing where they are now. Dave Gettleman is a a good friend of mine. I've known Dave, got almost 40 years now. And, but... You know, bottom line is he hasn't done a good job. And and this is double digit losses four years in a row. Wow. And uh so I you know, I I, I assume David's gonna retire in another week. And and Dave's the same age as me, 70. Um so and 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 he's been through cancer. 
he had, you know, he went through lymphoma his very first year with the Giants, which is, you know, tough on a young guy, let alone a guy who was 66 at the time. Wow, for sure. So, um, you know, I, I, I hope they get it right. Whoever they, they bring in, uh, they've had where Dave technically wasn't hired from within. He worked there for 20 years before that, you know. So, I mean, you know, you know then he went to Carolina as the GM, had success at, at Carolina, got into it with the owner, who the late owner, Jerry Richardson. And, uh, you know, he got fired and he was only out of work a few months and the Giants uh, made him their GM. But, you know, it'll be interesting whether they go outside the box. And I know the media in New York is pushing for that right now because they have been, you know, starting with Ernie, of course, he, Ernie started working there three years before he became the GM, but he was the next GM. And he was brought in actually to become the next GM mm. and just get used to the way the Giants do business. And since then, it's Jerry Reese and then Dave Gettleman, but everybody's been brought up through the giant system. So, you know, if they in fact change that and, and, and go outside the box, so to speak, that'll be interesting. But regardless, even though they don't have the title GM, they got the title owner and that's, you know, John and Chris Mara, and they have a lot to say. And Chris was a scout when I was there. He's still very, very involved in scouting. He's an excellent evaluator, and he's always going to have a say, and John's always going to have a say. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and, and that's just the way it is. Uh, Greg, we've got a little bit of a problem with your microphone, and when it rubs up against the zipper of that shirt, it just creates a kind of crackling noise. So, uh, uh, yeah. Well, if I go like that, yeah, a little better. Yeah, I think that's going to work. I think okay. that's going to work. So we'll go like this, or I can maybe if I do this. How's that? Um, we'll we'll try that. It's not okay. happening right now, but we'll we'll see down the line. Okay. Okay. Good stuff. Um, so what about Mike Glennon? Should he be a National Football League quarterback? <laughs> <laughs> you and I could do just as good. Oh my goodness! I I, I don't know about me, but you definitely could. <laughs> And I got small hands and bad knees and you know, everything <laughs> else. The, the uh, he's atrocious and and has been for years. I mean, you know, starting as as a backup before he came here, he had his moments. Um, since he came here, it's been downhill ever since. But what was he? At least three turnovers yesterday. Between mm -hmm. the interception and the two strip sacks, he can't get out of his own way. <laughs> uh, holds on to the ball. I mean, my God, if I, you, you knew Quinn was going to get his 18th sack, but then they, you know, the, the giant, the play callers were going like, we can't pass. Mm -hmm. We're going to get killed if we pass. So they, they just kept running and running and running. And then I thought, my God, well, maybe he won't. But, um, and, and, and I'll tell you one thing, but what was remarkable, because I, I kept eyeball when they did get in the passing situations, I'm going to say almost every time Quinn passed, he was doubled. 
or, or pass rushed, excuse mm-hmm. me. Right. He, he was double teamed. They had somebody at least chip on him. Mm-hmm. You know, there was one time where he was lined up in, in a nine technique. And so he was, you know, it, actually between the tackle and the like a slot tight end. And that tight end still chipped on him. Came inside and chipped on him to try to slow him up. And, and that's all they really try to do is slow it up because, you know, you're hopefully, if you can slow him up a second, that should give the, the, the quarterback time to get the ball out of his hands. But still, you know, he had the one sack. He very easily could have had one or two more. Uh, but you got to give Gibson credit. He, he, you know, he just keeps getting better and better. As a part-timer, he's got, I think, six and a half sacks or something. Five and a half or six and a half this year playing a part-time role. Right. You know, the, the, the guy's a hell of a player. He really is. He's uh, he's a special player. There's no doubt about that. I don't know if I call him special yet, but, you know, he's got – he's taken a big jump from year one to year two, and as yeah. he keeps playing, here, here here's the key. He's only in his second year. you got him two more years. Two years, you got to make a decision, and you still got – you know, and probably at that point, Mac or Quinn's going to be sent out the door because you're not going to get rid of Gibson. Can't. You know, so, but, you know, and, and we talked about this last week, and then you tweeted something yesterday. I think you had a, a, a question thing or a poll thing about, uh, you know, should, should they trade Gibson? And then somebody made the ludicrous comment, well, yeah, we should get draft choices for him. Do you know what you get for a 32 or 33-year-old pass rusher with a high salary? Right. Nothing. <laughs> well, what about Von Nothing. Miller? What about Von Miller? He he got the 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 Broncos got a second and a third. So I was I've actually given I that. I was shocked at that. Yeah. I was what, too. No, 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 what what I'll tell you what the interesting thing could be, because I don't have the answer. Is how much time is left on his contract? Is he a free agent at the end of the year? I, I think at the end of the upcoming season, he's a free agent. I believe that is correct. One more year, and then that's a different story. <clears throat> because now you've got time, you know, you, you can give him another contract or whatever. And, and, and the Rams are in a, you know, they put themselves in a do-or-die type situation. Mm-hmm. But for a contract like Quinn has, I'm going to say the best you can get especially because he only had like, what, three sacks last year or something like that? Correct. Because he had some injury problems and there were some other issues. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think you get anything better than a day three pick. Really? I am so yeah, I, I, I Well, because what people don't understand is you're taking on that salary. Mm-hmm. And you can't get both. You can't get salary at a high pick. Mm-hmm. You you know and and even if you trade them you're going to get killed on 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 a cap loss mm-hmm. so you, you you can't effectively try to trade the guy because it's just you know you're taking a hit you're not going to get a lot for him and you're taking a huge hit on your cap and the Bears can't afford to take a huge hit on their cap. 
Very, very true. And one of the things that I was kind of speculating about last night when I was doing research for another show is the Indianapolis Colts are in need of a specialty pass rusher for next season, according to some reports that I've read. Maybe the Colts would be a good trade candidate because they've got eight picks next season. They don't have their first round pick. I think that was used in a, in a prior trade. Like that goes for the quarterback. For Carson Wentz. Yeah. Okay. So maybe the Colts would be interested in bringing, because they brought in specialty pass rushers in the past. Now, I'm not sure it was uh, Ballard that did it, but uh, maybe they might be, might hold some interest. But you don't think that Ballard would offer anything more than a day three pick, huh? I don't think he, yeah. I don't think he'd offer more than a day three pick, number one. And I don't think he wants to take on that salary. Interesting. You know, he treats he treats that salary cap like it's the money in his pocket. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> yeah, he, he he holds on to that sorry. They got more money than anybody. Wow. <laughs> they don't they spend very, very wisely. And he, you know, you watch, go through free agency and look, you know, when you got that that initial wave in free agency, see how many picks they've picked up since he's been the GM. Mm-hmm. Very few. He doesn't spend money on. You know, unless he knows he's getting the guy at a bargain and at a fair price, he's not paying exorbitant money for a guy. Yeah. And um, it, they may be looking for a quarterback at the end of the season with the way Carson Wentz has gone up and down, up well, and down. Well, you know, don't forget now. He th- Now, this is kind of amazing to me. This guy, he, he wasn't vaccinated. So he tests positive on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and... Saturday and Sunday, he tests negative, so he's allowed to play Sunday because he went two days in a row with a negative test. Right. But he was still less than a week out from catching the the virus. Mm -hmm. You don't think it had an effect on him? It had to. He said in the press conference afterward that it didn't, but I don't think he was being forthcoming with that. It had to. I'm going to tell you what. Now, Ballard had COVID last year in November. It says the worst thing that ever happened to him. Mm-hmm. He said it was awful. Mm. It's, and, and his wife had it, and he said they were you know, both sick as dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Carson Wentz might have been taking stuff all along to you know, help him along, and he's a highly conditioned athlete. Um, you know, could that help? It? But still, he under the old protocols, if they hadn't changed the protocols a week and a half ago, he would have been out of that game. He wouldn't mm-hmm. have played, but they changed it. That's and, right. And now he, he was able to play. That's right. Now that the playoffs are around the corner, they didn't want to uh, probably have history say, yeah, the NFL screwed this team because of protocols that were too harsh and blah, blah, blah. But uh, that's a different story for a different Well, they, they, they do that based on whatever the science is. And mm-hmm. if the science changes, the league's going to change. The league's not going to make an arbitrary decision mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on something like that. You know, if, if the doctors say this is where we should go, then they're going to go in that way. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Uh, now back to the Bears game yesterday against the New York Giants. Uh, lots of people raised an eyebrow, at least that, when um, Coach Nagy made the decisions to start Jason Peters at left tackle over Tevin Jenkins or even Larry Borum. Let's listen to Nagy answer that question about why he did it, uh, which uh, was posed by Brad Biggs yesterday after the game. Jason's been our starter this entire year. Um, this is a Hall of Fame player. 
that's been playing a long time, and he battled his ass off to get back here and play. And he did a great job, and we weren't sure how that was going to go. Tevin, same thing, coming, you know, working through an injury from last week's game. And so, um, you know, that's, that's the decision that we made. And it's been, like I've said from the beginning, like we're going to do everything that we need to do that what's best for this team right now. So what do you think about his response? Um, I understand his – and this has been a hot topic of conversation – and some of the post-game shows, uh, Pat Manley was very vocal about it. Um, Olin tweeted, Bears are up, I think it was uh, at that point, 21 or 20, 23 to 3 or something like that, mm-hmm. time to put Jenkins in. I don't mind that he started Peters. Mm-hmm. But first, let's back up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And somebody here, Mule Skinner, says bullshit excuse. It's not a bullshit excuse. and But I, I, I think... He deserves to start the game. I would have liked to seen Tevin Jenkins play the entire second half, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 get some quality reps because mm-hmm. every rep he gets is just going to help him going forward. Because next year he will be the starter. Now, in saying all that, do the Bears owe Peters anything? And the answer to that is no. Okay, he, he he's making a fair wage. Mm-hmm. He came out of retirement, so to speak, to uh, come back. And, and the line coach was a longtime coach of his at Philadelphia, and they got a good relationship. If Juan Castillo's not the line coach here, Peters doesn't come out of, of retirement and join the team. Mm-hmm. But the Bears don't own anything. And what's more important for the team? It's more important for the team – in the future is that Tevin Jenkins, because don't forget Tevin Jenkins was drafted to be the starter. Right. So, so the most important thing is that he, he gets some reps. Now he's played a little bit more than two and a half games so far since he came off of injured reserve. I would hope that he gets the start next week. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, just for the record, uh, Jenkins played a total of seven snaps uh, in yesterday's game against the Giants. So those were all, I believe, in the fourth quarter when he was in. Right. Certain- he he might have got some field goal PAT snaps too, but I don't know if they count that in the snaps. He did, he did indeed. Uh, he got five, so a, a total of 12 snaps overall, five on special teams and seven with the offense, according to Pro Football Reference. Um so, yeah, a lot of people are upset with the coach because it doesn't seem like he's got an eye for the future, and perhaps people are saying – Well, he's not part of the future. It, well, so that's the question then, right? Okay, so well, let's talk this out a little bit. Please. Because, you know, people say, well, can he be made to? Well, that's a little – and Pat Manley and I had this conversation in a text last night. Mm-hmm. There's contractual things involved here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Generally speaking, most franchises, the general manager has control of the 53 man roster. Now there are a few coaches that have control of the roster, but in general, the majority of GMs in the league have control of the 53 man roster. They do not have control of who plays on Sunday. That's the head coach's job. And it's in his contract. You pick the team. I pick who plays. Mm. 
And I go back to when Lovey was here and there was a free agent we wanted to sign. I'm not going to mention the player's name, but there was a free agent player we wanted to sign. And Lovey said, you can sign him. Give him as much money as you want. I'm not playing him. I love it. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it, 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 and that was his prerogative. Sure. <laughs> you know, so we didn't sign the guy because, you know, you, you could never force a player on a coach. Yeah. It won't work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in hindsight, was it the was it the right thing to do to sign the guy? Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, Lovey was being stubborn in, in, in that case. And. He, he had the right to do that. And, and Nagy's got the right to say, hey, I'm playing. It's like, you know, should Andy Dalton have started yesterday instead of Foles? Because Field wasn't ready to go. Well, right. based on the week before, Foles played a lot better. Yes, he did. Okay. Um, I don't think Andy played that well yesterday. He, did not. he didn't play poorly, but he didn't play good. Mm-hmm. They didn't win because of Andy Dalton. They won in spite of Andy Dalton. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good way, a good way of, of phrasing that. I think that's a great way of phrasing it. And 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 clearly the defense's success, especially early on. I mean, giving the Bears uh the ball at the nine-yard line and 13-yard line, first two possessions, and they convert those to touchdowns. I mean, when you get off to a 14 and nothing lead and your total time of possession of the ball is less than three minutes, that's that's pretty damn good. Uh, oh, yeah, well, you know, they said on the on the post, I think it was on, you know, with Molly and Manley on the post game show, mm-hmm. you know, they said the game was over after first play. And he's right. It mm-hmm. was. First play, they get the strip sack on, on Glennon. And, and how about this? You got to figure the Giants were going in there with a game plan of we got to try to run the ball. But in the first play, they open up with an empty backfield. Unbelievable. And so it's like, okay, <laughs> ring down to the defense. Let's change. We're blitzing. And, and, and you can do that, you know, when they see the set. The one player, you know, Rokon's got the helmet on with the, with the green dot. So Sean Desai can tell him to change the, the defense. And, hey, they came at him and got him and got a turnover right away. Mm-hmm. Indeed they did. And, and they were du- they're doubling up on Quinn, you know, not thinking that, that Kipson's going to be a, a problem. Yep, exactly. He yeah. was a problem. He got two sacks. He could have had more. Yeah. I mean, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, now take that for what it's worth, but it's not a grade. It's what they counted in terms of pass rushing snaps. Gibson was only on the field for four pass rushing snaps, and he got sacks on two of them. And if that's correct or if anywhere close to correct, that's pretty That's pretty impressive uh, performance there by Gibson. 50%. Yeah. I, I, I don't agree with that. Stat, not they didn't. New York did not try to throw the ball. That best stat of the game, though, was how about their total passing yardage to the game was minus ten. That was unbelievable, unbelievable. I don't know if I've ever. I, in, in all honesty, and I've been doing this for a long time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if if I've ever seen a team with negative passing yardage at the end of the game. Yeah, well, the Bears at at Cleveland earlier this season was pretty close. I'll tell you that. But you mentioned the importance of turnovers, and at today's press conference, Matt Nagy was asked about the defense and the evolution of the defense 
uh, over the years, starting with his first season, Vic Fangio as the coach, and they uh, had a great success. And uh, until now, where the defense is not near, not playing at nearly the level of that Fangio defense, so he was asked to evaluate the defense over his four years as coach, and this was his response. When you look at it in the end, really there's one big stat that matters in the end. No matter what team you're talking about, whether they have a rookie quarterback, a veteran, whether they got the best defense in the history of the world or not, um, what's the turnover margin? You know, do you do you take the football away on defense and do you respect the football on offense? And you can have fun today and look at a good stat and check out the turnover margins in the NFL right now. And I bet you there's some playoff teams in the top 10 in in that margin That, that matters. So let's take a look at the uh, the list. Uh, well, let's start with the bottom of the list, okay? No, okay. I, no I already know the stat. And, yeah. and well, this it, is the it, bottom it, of the list. This is the Bears at minus 11. They're 28th in the league. And then at the top of the list is just as he said, the turnover differential. The, the only team that has a shot at, at, at the playoffs that's on the bottom is Vegas. That's right. Uh, they, they need a win to get in uh, next right. week. Las Vegas, indeed. So it's not a trident. I mean, it's not an absolute truism, but he is for the most part correct. If you turn the ball over and you don't turn the ball over, your chances for success are monumental. Green Bay, Indianapolis, Dallas, Arizona, New England, Minnesota, Buffalo, Tampa Bay, Seattle, New Orleans. Those are the top teams in the NFL for turnover differential. I share that for our audio podcast listeners. So what happened with the lack of turnovers by the defense over the years? We know what's happened with turning over the ball this year. You have a rookie quarterback. He's had some uh, protection issues protecting the ball. But with the defense, what's happened with this defense? Why aren't they creating turnovers like they used to? You know, I, I, I don't have the answer to that. And, mm-hmm. and But part of it can be you had, you know, when – Nagy was a rookie head coach and Vic was here. I think that was the fifth year Vic was here, correct? Yes. And, and so you had five, you had some continuity with him running the defense. Mm-hmm. And then he gets the head job at Denver. You bring in Pagano and, and, and you know, you can go back to that sound clip and he even mentions, you know, Pagano made his own little, you know, similar type scheme, but he still had his own nuances to it. And, and the same with, with Sean Desai. And so you've just got to get, you know, it's getting everybody together on the same page, mm-hmm. you know, to, to do that. And, and hey, injuries play into it too. Absolutely. You know, you got a bunch of guys, key guys hurt on the defense. You're not going to create as many turnovers as you do when, when you're relatively healthy and you go back to 2018 and defense, I guarantee it was pretty damn healthy mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and Nagy's first year. So that, that does play into it a lot, mm-hmm. uh, but still, I, you know, I think that defense has been inconsistent for the most part this past, this past season Mm-hmm. But I think there's probably been more positive than negative. Uh, but one thing that jumped out to me, because who on the defense has gotten a ton of criticism for his lack of tackling ability? Eddie Jackson. 
Who led the team in tackles yesterday? Eddie Jackson. Knocked the shit out of some people. <laughs> he did. He had a really good game. <laughs> it was yeah, so and, and, and you know what that tells you? Know what that tells you? Yeah, what does he that? wants some good tape for the next staff. Oh, interesting. Interesting. So that's a perfect segue for all of the criticism that I hear about Allen Robinson. He's quit on the team and he's not hustling anymore. I say bullshit to that. The guy is hurt. He had COVID. He said that his lung capacity is missing about 10%. He's had no connection with the quarterbacks on this team. Maybe the veterans, but the veterans haven't played as much. It's just been a bad season for all sorts of circumstances. But quitting on the team, I just don't believe A-Rob no, has that no. in his fiber. No, and, and you know what? He had a pretty good second half. Mm-hmm. Yesterday he did, yes. You know, he... There's a, a a play where he could have run a, in the first half where he could have uh, run a better job and taken it underneath, made a sharper cut, taken it underneath better. And that was a play that was almost intercepted. Uh, you know, and, and has he had a disappointing season? Yes. But then he came up with some big plays. And you could tell just by his reaction, he almost broke one. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, like a, a – a trip type tackle on him and he was disappointed, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, he's not going to be here next year. It, it's, you got to get somebody to replace him in free agency, but now hell there, there, there's two receivers in free agency for next year that already got torn ACLs in the yeah. last, last two weeks, which is going to take their ass out of free agency basic because they're not going to be ready for the start of the season. Right. Well, you know, so, it, it, you know, the, the, it's going to push up the price on some guys. Yeah, a Rob. Yeah, absolutely. Because you because you want somebody that's healthy can come in and play. Right. I mean, he's going to be ready to go game one. Clearly, those two other receivers, Godwin and uh, um, Gallup, are not going to be ready. What do you think about potentially acquiring a Gallup or a a Goodwin at a reduced salary, much similar to what A-Rob was acquired for because he was coming off an ACL. Now, his ACL was in game one of the season. I think it was 2017 season. So he he wasn't, you know, he had that whole year to rehab. uh, And and when he came back in 2018, he wasn't 100%. But it paid off because the next two seasons he had an average of over 100 uh, catches per season. What do you think about potentially the next general manager looking at Godwin? And, well, we and don't. Wait, uh, you're you're jumping way ahead. We don't know if there's a next general manager. Come on, there. <laughs> that's right. That's wait. That's for next week's show. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I am jumping ahead. You're absolutely right. <laughs> okay, so I, I'm going to answer it this way. I, I think in theory. You've got a good idea, but reality is that because if these guys had gotten hurt like A-Rob did in Jacksonville in week one Mm -hmm. and then had basically a year to rehab, and and everybody's going to rehab differently. Mm -hmm. You know, you'd say it's a good, it's an eight to 10 month uh, injury as far as rehab coming back and, and, you know, longer with some, I mean, where's Tariq Collins? You know, he's had, he's had difficulty. I mean, and, and there's been problems with that one. So y- y- you got to look at each case individually. 
you know, you gotta, you're going to do MRIs and you're going to look at the surgery and, and see how the healing uh, process has been going on before you make a decision. But still, in saying that, Aldo, you can't wait. They, they, they're not given the, the option of having to wait on a guy for a half a season or even a season. They got to fill up the wide receiver room with a quality guy early. And he's got to be able to go game one. Mm-hmm. And so I think your idea, you know, if you've got a playoff team and you want to get another piece, go for it. But you got a team that has got to get, you know, you've got to replace A-Rod. And, you know, I, I like the one receiver we have, but – He's in his second year. He's not a very big guy. I I don't know if I can say he's a legitimate number one. Yeah, we've been you grappling know, with that here. Uh, you know, I, I, I think he is a great number two who is going to continue to get better. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if he's ever going to be in that category of being that 100, 110 catch per year type guy and and Mooney's good and and he's got the ability to be a, a a game breaker in in some situations but is he that guy he's not Stefan Diggs mm-hmm. okay who is you know he he's actually coming out of college a step faster than Diggs but Diggs is taller he's bigger he's stronger and, you know, you look at Darnell Mooney's body, and he can get stronger. But he's never going to get a lot bigger. He doesn't have the frame to get a lot bigger. Right. Okay, so, <clears throat> you know, and that means, you know, if he's that guy who's getting 100 catches a year, with that body, is he going to be able to hold up? Now, I can tell you, he's taken some hits over the last two years. I mean, yeah. God love him. Mm-hmm. But I, I just – and, I, you know, I think that reality is he's a 75 to 80 catch-a-year guy who, who's going to break some big plays, and you're going to love you have him. But I don't know if he's a legitimate number one. Yeah. And whether you've got to get that guy with your second-round pick and hope that he's the right guy, because, you know, history says you can get some good receivers in the second round. Mm-hmm. Um, or do you got to go out and get a guy in free agency and hope that he's got, you know, a, situ- a situation where he could become like an A-Rob? You know, I uh, put this out on Twitter uh, uh, last week. Uh, Alan Lazard, to me, is a big body wide receiver who could – he's a free agent at the end of the season. He could fit into the Bears' plans because he could be a cheap version of Allen Robinson. Now, I'm not saying he's a premier pass catcher at all. The only reason I'm suggesting him is because he would be affordable, one. Number two – He's going to be very affordable. Yes, very affordable. Okay, and and because and I'm sorry to interrupt. Sorry. Part of this, A. Rob was a four five five guy. Lazard wasn't even that fast, mm. and that's why he was drafted as low as he was. Mm-hmm. But you watch the tape, and he plays a hell of a lot faster. Mm. You well, know, so, and 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 I do believe 
I'm a big believer, and you got to have at least one big receiver. Yeah, and, and that, he that, is a big receiver, right? And uh, he's a you know, great blocker. I'll tell you the guy I'd love to have, but he's not going to be a free agent next year. And that's Gabriel Davis for the Buffalo Bills. Oh, interesting name. You know, because he's he's only in a second year now. And because of injuries, he's getting a chance to play and he's making plays. Mm-hmm. And he was great in the preseason. But, you know, under their, their – he's really their number four. Mm-hmm. On a lot of teams – He's got the talent to be a number one, eventually be a number one. Guy is going to be a great pro. But, you know, there's two years before he even gets through free agency, and by that time, some of those other guys are going to be going out the door anyway, and they're going to pay him. I want to get to some of the comments that I've been uh, saving here before they get uh, out of control. The factor one, I'd love for you to uh, just respond to this comment from the factor. He says that Mac Quinn duel can be interesting next year. I would, I would not use the word interesting. I would use the word ferocious. I mean, we saw the first five, six games when Mac was healthy, what that defense was doing and, and credit Sean Desai. I think he was coming up with exotic ways of freeing those guys up, putting them on the same side of the field for some plays and so forth. I would love to see not only Mac and Quinn back next season, but also Desai, you know, and I know it's not a, a good thing to force a coordinator on a new head coach, but I would love to see those three guys uh, 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 come back next season. Your thoughts? Um, well, you know, Desai is going to be up to whoever – the head coaches. Okay. So, and, and if you get a guy like Bowles becomes the head coach, Bowles is going to be running the defense, you know? So, you know, could you have a Sean Desai as, as the coordinator in name? Now it's going to be a different, a little bit different style of defense, mm-hmm. but uh, personnel wise bears got the people who could run that defense that Todd Bowles runs. Um, that there's not a big difference in, in, in the two different schemes. Interesting. Uh, but here, here's the one thing I, I was thinking about this last night, thinking about it this morning too, as far as pass rushing and, you know, Kipson is, is, is come on and playing strong. So he's going to deserve more play time. So he's going to get it two ways. You're going to have all three of those guys in the game at the same time in, in, sub-package situations, or you're going to use them in a rotation more. And who's to say that you aren't going to take, and it would probably be a Khalil Mack in some situations because he's the bulkiest of the three, but you probably could do with Gibson too, is end up putting them down in in a pass rush situation. When you when you when you got a third long and now you got two guys outside and one of your two inside guys is is Mac or or Gibson Quinn's I don't I don't think Quinn is built to be that you know when you look at his body built to be that guy who can be inside but mm-hmm. you know Zach's gonna create a lot of problems for a defense the um. Or a lot of problems, a lot of problems for an offense. For an offense. Somebody just uh, said in uh, 
chat that Khalil Mack is, is proving to be too brittle and he has accumulated injuries and it's easy to he plays his ass off every single down he's exactly. in the game. Exactly. He is hit on many, many plays. He is hit by multiple people and he's playing so hard. So isn't it time for Khalil Mack to be a specialty pass rusher and not play every down? Um, I, I, I think that because of the growth and the development of Gibson, you got to, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Now they were doing it this year. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. part of it is because he's, he's not a hundred percent, you know, they were playing a rotation and I, you know, you, you got, I can't think of the guy's name now. The, uh, they had a beginning of the year and he's on IR now cause he got hurt, but he was playing good too. And then they had to bring in a Toshu. Uh, yeah. Uh, Oto- uh, is it Otoshu or Ataoshu or however you say his name? Yeah, I've heard it mostly. He, um, you know, those four, that's as good a group as you'll find in the league. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at the overall depth. And he's another guy that has a little bit of bulk to him that can play inside if you want to have three of those guys in the game at the same time. But I, I when you have quality depth like that, it's um, it it gives you the the opportunity to play a larger rotation and try to keep a guy like Mac, who's you know obviously a little older, and Gwen obviously a little older, mm-hmm. keep them fresh for the downs when you got to have them. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think that's critical moving forward with those guys. Uh, Mule Skinner says that Olin Kruitz is trying to push Dave Taub for the next head coach. That's a name that you brought up. Oh, I love Dave Taub. Taub. Yeah, and, and I think – I don't want to say it's passed him by, but he was getting a lot of interviews and didn't get hired. Mm-hmm. And so then, you know, you kind of get pushed down on the list of candidates, and there's always these new hot names – well, you know, reality is, do you know how many interviews uh, Ron Rivera went through before he finally got a job? Oh, yeah, quite a few, right? Oh, my God, yeah. And and the guy's a hell of a head coach. He really is. And there's not a doubt in my mind that Dave Tobe would be a great head coach. Uh, like anybody, if you, if, if you, you know, if you bring in uh, the Bills offensive coordinator, Brian DeBall, the, you know, part of his the key to hiring him is who's his defensive coordinator going to be and mm-hmm. who's going to run it because you know he's going to run an offense. Now, the nice thing about him is you're not, you know, like in, in, you're hoping Nagy could run Andy Reid's offense, mm-hmm. but this is Andy Reid's offense made up by him, drawn up by Andy, and, and executed by Andy to perfection. When you have somebody else do it, it doesn't work as good. That's why, you know, I, I, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even bother interviewing the enemy because then you're you're just that's Nagy too. Yeah. You know, and 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 it didn't work with the first guy, so why is it gonna work with the next guy? Mm-hmm. And you gotta bring in Andy Reid. Mm-hmm. You know, make make Andy Reid the head coach. Uh Told the key with him is is who's he going to hire with um, uh, you know to be his coordinators on on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. Dave, one of the keys to his head coach is he's got to be 
a strong leader. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, I, I got away from my one thought. Brian DeBall's offense, that's his offense. You hire Brian DeBall, you're hiring the guy who designed the offense. Mm-hmm. And he knows how to and, – and if you look at what he was running, like say when he was at Alabama – and then and what he did at the beginning of his career with Buffalo, and then what he's done when he got Stefan Diggs last year, he adjusts that scheme to the players he has. But you're still getting the guy who developed that scheme. And, and that- so to me, that that's an important factor in hiring a guy like him because you're not getting somebody to run somebody else's scheme. Right. You're getting the master right off the bat. J-Rock is saying that the Bengals offensive coordinator, Brian Callahan, should get an interview with the Bears. I agree with them. The, with the, story, the Cincinnati Bengals is one yeah, of the – Yeah, but that's not teams. Callahan. It's the same thing. That's not his offense. That's who the head coach's offense. Oh, who's, oh that's Zach, uh, Zach Taylor. Right. And who calls the plays? Zach Taylor. Okay. There you go. Okay. Um, uh, Brian, we already talked about Dave Taub. Uh, he is definitely one of uh, Greg's favorites. I've got another comment here. Um, Richard Long wants to know, what is your take on Sam Mustafer, the young offensive tackles, and the strength of the Bears' offensive line going forward? I sometimes look at this offensive line, Greg, and I say, you know what? It's not as bad as people point it out to be. And then sometimes I look at it and say, wow, we need some help. <laughs> so I, I can't decide. Uh, you know, I, I think – Sam is a serviceable center that you can win with. He's no Olin Krutz. You know, he's not he he's not close to being in the upper echelon of of centers in the league. You can win with him. Uh, but you you know, you you gotta have a, a strong guard on each side. And mm-hmm. another thing I was given thought to. Um, and that is, you know, well, who's going to be the, the head coach next year? Who's going to be the O-line coach? And, you know, you want the best five guys playing. Now, I don't think – I think Effetti's out of contract, or did he get a two-year deal? No, he's, he's done after uh, okay, the season. But I would not be opposed – first of all, I think Effetti's better at, at tackle than he is at, at guard. And he has not played poorly. Mm-hmm. How about put Daniels at center? Borum at right guard. Effetti at right tackle. Because Effetti plays better at tackle than he plays at guard. That's already been a proven fact. And he's been on, he's a starting tackle on at least four playoff teams in Seattle at right tackle. So it's not like, you know, he's, he's chopped liver and, and you don't, and you want to throw him out. Keep white hair, put put Daniels at center, white hair at, at the left guard, and, and Tevin's at, at left tackle. Mm-hmm. I think you've already improved your offensive line. And really, and you haven't brought in anybody new. And that's so critical for this team. I mean, with so many needs, uh, and every season it seems like Ryan Pace is drafting people to make up for mistakes he he had in previous drafts. You know, you draft 
Cole Komet because Adam Shaheen, a second round draft pick, didn't work out. And, and it's been a recurring story. You draft Justin Fields because Mitchell Trubisky didn't work out. So the last thing that I would hate to happen, but you got to do what you got to do, is for them to start investing a lot of draft capital on offensive linemen when you have <clears> – <throat> You know, uh, two second rounders at the guard positions currently, uh, and you have invested in the two tackles, Borum and Jenkins. It would be nice if yeah, don't forget Daniels was drafted to be a center, and he played center most of his career at Iowa. I, I totally agree, and that's his best position. So move him over to the center position. Hopefully Jenkins and Borum are your tackles. You get Cody White here for another season or two because of his contract, and then you're looking for a right guard, and 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 you could find a, a good one uh, in free agency. So I just hate the idea of with the limited well, – you, right, you might – you've got some young guys here that, that can be your developmental down the road starter you know you put Borum back out a tackle let, let let's say they did what i just suggested mm -hmm. and so that's your your line next year and then you want to start working in people you've got some young guys there that just need playing time you know like okay lechavia simmons he got killed in the one game well hell he wasn't even practicing at that position <laughs> and but when you go back to the preseason, he had some good tape. Mm -hmm. And last year was a total wash because they didn't as a rookie because they didn't have any they didn't have any training camp, so to speak, and they had no offseason program. So this was his rookie year, and you know, he didn't play at a power five school, he played at Tennessee State. Mm. You know, so that's a guy who has some talent. Now, there's one interesting thing, and he may suck for all I know because he didn't play much in the preseason. But it's a name they keep, they've kept around, and he's athletic as hell. And that's uh, Wheatley, who's on the practice squad. He's Tyrone Wheatley's son. Now, I know a lot about this kid because Tyrone, when along uh, as his coaching way, was was coaching for the Buffalo Bills. Mm -hmm. His son was a defensive end at Canisius High School in Buffalo. He was a four-star recruit who everybody wanted, but of course he goes to Michigan because that's where his dad went. So that was going to be a given. But at Michigan, he never really panned out as a defensive end, and they moved him to tight end. And then, you know, he's not getting – tight end really wasn't his position. And – he transfers out and he ends up playing for his dad. Then his dad is, is at Morgan state now in Baltimore as the head coach. And he becomes a tackle and now he's 310 pounds. Hmm. And, you know, he's six foot five, real long arms. And they had to see something. Now I know athletically what he is. He's a freak. Hmm. Okay. But, you got to learn how to play uh, offensive linemen. And there's guys who have made that transition. There is a history of, of it happening, mm -hmm. but it's not done overnight. And that's, that's a perfect example of why you have a, a, a practice squad. Mm -hmm. So he gets those reps during the year. Now, obviously now he, he's got to, there's people around here that like him. Otherwise he wouldn't be here. And he has stayed, you know, they've, they've gotten rid of guys and brought some guys up 
from the practice squad. And he just kind of stays there very quietly, um, you know, in silence on the practice squad every week. But if they didn't like him, they would have caught him a long time ago. That, and that uh, go, I'm sorry, go ahead. You had another no, thought. Go ahead. No, I, I was going to say the, the that conversion of defensive players to offensive players has not worked with guys like uh, Coward, uh, but it has worked with James Big Cat Williams, who ended up playing left tackle for the Chicago Bears for a number of years. Right tackle. Right tackle, excuse me. And he he was uh, an, initially a, a defensive lineman, so it can work. But you're absolutely right. It takes. Takes you know great coaching and and a special player. It takes patience too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You you've got to see. Now Big Cat was there when I was there. You know we had two start with that first line we had uh, when I was there. Big Cat was the right tackle and Chris Valerio was one of the guards. Those are two two guys who came out of Division two schools wow. in that Pennsylvania conference. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah. And, and Chris is head coach of one of those schools now. Speaking of, of uh, Chris, I, I was thinking about Chris Ballard the other day. And, you know, when you want, if you were looking for a general manager, let's say the Chicago Bears were looking for a general manager, would you look at the Colts front office and guys like Ed Dodds, the assistant general manager over there, or the director of scouting, college scouting, that's Morocco Brown? I, I would interview Morocco Brown in about a second and a half. Really? Yep. It's like right away I put him on my list and talking because I know Morocco and I know how strong he is. And Morocco's been a director of player personnel. He's he is um he's an excellent evaluator. On top of that, he is an excellent person. Hmm. Um I love Morocco. I, I don't know much about Dodds. Mm -hmm. Um I've heard some negative things mm -hmm. from some people who've been on the road with him. Uh, yeah, I, I know he's close with Chris. And, and so if I ask Chris, Chris is going to say all positive, mm -hmm. but you know, I, I, I know what Morocco is. Well, that's, an and I've never heard anything negative about Morocco ever. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and my relationship with Morocco goes back 20 years now because we hired him when we hired Ballard and, and Teddy Monago. And mm -hmm. Kevin Turks was part of that, too. So, um, uh, you know, I, I Morocco would be a, a, a very strong candidate, in my opinion. Uh, and, and he's been well brought up, so to speak, in the league, you know, working at different franchises. You know, who else? I, you know, I'm not as up to date on, on some of those names as I used to be. Mm -hmm. I, I, I should, but if a name comes up and say, okay, they're interviewing this guy, I can get the whole story in five minutes. That's awesome. All I got to do is, you know, pick up the phone. Right. And uh, I can find out everything I need to know. Well, we may be asking you to pick up the phone next <laughs> week. <laughs> Speaking of that, the factor uh, says that you were a, a former director of scouting. So what grade would you give Ryan Pace and his staff over the past seven years? Did they build a good team? You know, Ryan has done some really good things and he's done some poor things. And he made, you know, 
first poor decision was Mike Lennon. It was an awful decision. Yeah. Um, and, and there's been some other guys, but he signed some great guys too. He really has. And, and, you know, so you probably got to give him a C plus to a B and part of it. And, and this goes, and I, I was thinking about this probably a half hour before, you know, we came on to do this is, yeah. you know, one of the things he doesn't get any kind of accolades for is one of the things he's in charge of is handling this COVID situation. And guy's done a hell of a job. You know, there's a lot of teams that have had a lot worse problem with COVID than the Chicago Bears. Mm -hmm. And that's coming from him. Yeah, that that's a good point. That's a good you point. Know, so, you know, I think you've got to look at, you, you got to look at not just the, the missed player evaluation, because there's been some good ones. And, and Khalil Herbert. Daniels, Komet is co becoming a hell of a tight end. Uh, you, you, you've got uh, Mooney last year. You know, some of these guys are excellent draft choice, and they, he gets them on day three. Mm -hmm. That's pretty good. Can't, yeah, and I think this, this, this corner, uh, you know, who's gotten to play the last few weeks, I think he's going to be a good player. Not a great player, but I think he's going to be a solid player. Yeah, Graham. Yeah. Um, it's funny that you brought up Komet because uh, a few minutes ago, Pusha T says he doesn't think a Komet is a starting tight end yet. And so the Bears need to acquire a tight end in the offseason. No, Your thoughts? Just totally disagree with that. Okay. Totally disagree. He is better than a lot of the starting tight ends in the league. He can do what he is not, is he is not that explosive move tight end. And he never will be. Right. That's really not him, right? No. And and you know what? He wasn't drafted to be that guy either. Mm -hmm. And so he is the guy that you can play at Y and block and be a damn good blocker. Or you can, you know, put him in the slot. You can you can flex him out if you have to, but he's more of, of your why, and you got to have one of those guys. And I'm going to say he's in the, you know, in the upper echelon of whys in this league. Mm -hmm. So, but, but he's not, he's never going to be your game breaker. Now finishing his second year, he came out early and He's going to get better. You know, he's only scratched the surface of what he can be. And, and you, years you've, old. Twenty-two. You've, you've seen the some of the flashes, you know, and and he's like a bull when he gets running in the open field. Mm -hmm. He's not going to make a lot of people miss, but he's gonna he's gonna run over you and he's gonna make you pay. Mm -hmm. And he's determined. He's competitive. But you know, if 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 they might need another tight end and they may have, I, you know, I, to me going into the off season, that's one of the lowest areas of need on this team. You know, you're not, you're not going to have Jimmy Graham back, but you've got those other guys 
And they're, you know, that's a, you, you compare to the rest of the league, it's pretty damn solid. Mule says that uh, uh, Komet is too slow for today's game. And I disagree with that, Mule. And I know that uh, Greg does too. It's a different position. You're comparing him to the fast tight ends, those slash receiver tight ends, as opposed to comparing him to the blocking tight end who can go out there. He's also a lot bigger. Yes. He's about 265 pounds. Right. Right. Somebody made the comment that Jimmy Graham has better hands than Cole Komet. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that at all because Jimmy Graham is basically a wide receiver in a tight end's body. And, yeah, that's and, and you and I can block better than Jimmy Graham. <laughs> that's right. So you know, I was a basketball player in college and, <laughs> and God, for his first eight or nine years in the league, he wouldn't block. Mm-hmm. Now he gives a little bit of an effort. Yeah. You know, but that, that's not his game. You know. What position, what, what some of these people don't understand is what position are you talking about? You know, tight end is a very broad name, and right. there's really two different positions. There is your Y tight end, and then there's your move tight end. Mm-hmm. And he could be H, he could be called F. It you know, depends on the, you know, the terminology of the team he's playing for. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but he is the why, and he's a damn good why, and he's just scratching the surface of how he can be. I'm pretty good at, at, at evaluating talent, so if somebody wants to tell me he's not good, I'm going to say, you know, forget it. You don't know what you're looking at because he's damn good. Yeah, and okay. I think a lot of people uh, don't understand what that why tight end is. Is he's right. the and, he's, and especially for a team like Chicago, although where you've got to be, you're going to have weather, and you you've got to be able to run the football and in order to run the football you got to have a guy like that on your team absolutely absolutely Cole Komet uh if you go back and look at tape especially after the Cleveland Browns game you will see that he was his 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 uh he was rarely called in the passing game because he was a a an outlet receiver, a, a safety valve receiver. He was used for chipping, run blocking, and th- those were the majority of his snaps. And he'd go out, the last receiver to go out in case Fields needed to find somebody to dump the ball to. He's not the he's not doesn't play the same position as Kittle and some of these other big time. Kittle is a move tight end, exactly. A guy from Atlanta that they took with the fourth overall pick. He is a move tight end. Mm-hmm. He's a wide receiver in a tight ends body here's a Kittle great, is a wide receiver yeah here's a great question I, 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 he uh reminds winston says that he reminds commit reminds him of mark andrews andrews isn't one-tenth as tough i you know i know andrews from baltimore he's talking mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. yeah and and i spent you know a few years ago i did a thing for um this one uh production company down at the at the at&t stadium they used to have, and I forgot the name, but it had like this football challenge type thing. And it was some of the top, it was televised by ESPN, but it was done by a private production company. And Dusty Dvorak, you know, was one of the analysts. And, yeah. and I did side interviews for these guys, gave, did like a, a combine type interview. Cool. Cool. And, you know, they and one of the guys was Andrews. And, Andrews is another one of those move tight ends. He's not a blocker. Now, has he gotten better 
in the pro game since he's been with Baltimore than he was at Oklahoma? Yes. But that's still not his game. His game is the move tight end, semi-wide receiver type game. And so, you know, when people want to put Cole Komet into that category, then they're misevaluating him because that's not the position he plays. Now, Jesper Horstead could be a move tight end. Yes. Um, and so I, I keep complaining. Why isn't he getting snaps? I, I don't know what's going on because there. Because they give him to Graham. <laughs> now, <laughs> Jesper, and, and, and you know, when he does play, mm-hmm. he just has a, a way of making plays for some reason. Isn't that odd? You know, <laughs> he says very sarcastically. Um, <laughs> you know, he and a former wide receiver who was really too big to be a wide receiver, still athletic as hell. He can run. But I want to go back. You know, the people that want to say that that uh, um, Cole Komet isn't fast enough, go back and look at his combine numbers. And he's just hundreds of a second slower than Kelsey mm, and better in the three call and the 20 yard shuttle, the long jump and the vertical jump. Which is probably why pace play, uh, uh, uh put such a high value on him because uh, there were a lot of people who thought maybe he was a third rounder. Uh, well, I, I, I don't know if I agree with that because I, I, I think there, there was people at one time thought he was a first rounder. I mean, he went at the top of the second round. You know, he he was looked at as probably the best pure tight end in that in that draft be 2 years ago now. Mm-hmm. And that's where he went. You yep. know, they didn't they didn't have a a, a great one, but you know to, to to try to put him and I can't think of the damn kid's name from Florida that Atlanta took. Um you know, with the fourth pick, he that's a totally different kind of player. Mm-hmm. Now, let us talk. Let, let's uh, let's shift over outside the Chicago Bears, because I want to make sure I get this in to get your thoughts on what happened yesterday with the Tampa Bay Bucks and a uh, young man by the name of Antonio <laughs> Brown. Uh, I've got the, the video here of uh, Antonio. Oh, my God. This is the fan. Uh, fan posted this. You will see number 81 taking his uh, jersey off. He he has a talk with Evans. Right. Evans, Evans is like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. He's trying to talk him out of it. And Evans says, screw that. He walks yeah, just think, yeah but he's, he's telling Brown, hey, you know, think about this, buddy. Right. And you, you, you just see A.B. totally loses it. Now, I'm going to go back, and this is one of the reasons I wanted to bring this up. I'm going to go back to, it'll be three years ago, might be this month, probably next month. Probably next month because, because you know, Pittsburgh was going to get rid of them. Right. And I tweeted out. I remember this. Okay. I said, there is a reason why Antonio Brown went in the sixth round. Mm-hmm. And it had nothing to do with talent the NFL teams know what they're doing. And of course, all the people that don't understand what the hell goes on, you know, I get killed. A guy on Deadspin writes an article totally killing me. Another guy for awful announcing writes writes an article totally killing me. 
you know, that I'm just out of touch with reality. This is a Hall of Fame receiver. And I just sat back, just wait, guys. Okay, since then, that, that was in January or February of 2019. So not that long ago. Okay, he gets traded to the Raiders, never plays a game for the Raiders, quits on the Raiders and then gets cut and has all these drama type things that goes on during training camp. Remember with the helmet and all this other bullshit? Oh, yeah. Okay, so then signs with the Patriots because Brady wanted him. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if he played one game or no games for the Patriots, but he wasn't there very long. Right. And and Belichick is good. You know, I'll give you a chance, but you're only getting one chance, and then I'm going to get rid of you. Mm -hmm. And like I said, he might have played one game, but his stay wasn't long. It wasn't more than a couple weeks. They got rid of him. Mm -hmm. Then he sits for a little while, and he ends up in Tampa Bay, and he does some things last year. And then he – but he, he – the same thing happens this because he's his own worst enemy. He can't help himself. Now I've read some people say, "Oh, he's got to have CTE." Now, how the hell would they know if he's got CTE? Yeah, that's not fair. There's a lot of doctors that don't that know don't know a lot about CTE. Okay, and and until the guy's dead, you're not going to know if he's got CTE, and if you can, you know, examine his brain. I know this for a fact. And when I wrote that tweet in 2019. He was a bad mother in college. Mm -hmm. And that's why he lasted until the sixth round. We had him off our board. We were not going to draft that guy under any conditions. He was a bad person. He was a cancer in the locker room in college. He was an asshole in college. He's been a cancer at every place. Tomlin could handle him for a little while. And then Tomlin had to get rid of him. And Tomlin, you know, could could throw him up against the wall and smack him around a little bit. But, you know, he he is, he's got issues. Who the hell knows what the issues are? You know, I'm not a doctor. People say, oh, bipolar, CT. Who the hell knows what it is? Mm -hmm. But he's been suspended at least twice by the NFL. He has had sexual assault charges. Mm -hmm. He's had... Um, assault charges. He screwed people out of money numerous times. Why would you want him anywhere near your football team? And how, and and you know, I, I one of the guys who wrote the derogatory um, articles about me three years ago. I sent him a a DM last night. I go, you 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 want to change that? Here's what's happened since. Of so, course, she didn't respond. It, it, one of the things that I, because I remember that uh, Twitter quarrel that was going on at the time. One of the well, things, then I remember the score had me come out and say, well, do you, you know what you want to talk? I go, damn right. I'm not talking about it. Yeah. One of the things that somebody wrote uh, was saying that they said, well, but you can't erase the fact that Brown had lots of successful seasons for the Steelers. So the question then is, does, does that outweigh the fact that he is a malcontent and can be cancerous to the team? The fact that he's had, you know, uh, he had two or three very successful seasons with the Steelers. Your thoughts? Okay. 
my thoughts are this. My original tweet said there is a reason why he went in the sixth round. That has never changed. He has proven yeah. without, put it this way, if we were in court and there was a jury, guilty. You've proven <laughs> without reasonable doubt exactly what he is. Uh. Okay. Being a scouting director, I have privy to information that 99.9% .9 of fans don't have and didn't have. I was in the draft room when he was in his draft class. He was not on the Chicago Board's draft, Chicago Bears draft board. Mm -hmm. He was on the sideboard. We were not going to take him under any condition. Somebody said, well, that's why you didn't work. Bullshit. You don't want a guy like that on your team. Yeah. And look at the problems he's caused on every single team he's been with in the National Football League. Without a doubt. Okay, so I'm not taken away from his talent. The guy is a very talented guy, but he's going to kill your football team. Mm -hmm. I don't get excited, do I? <laughs> no, not at all. But I think it is safe to say that Antonio Brown needs some type of help, whether it's psychiatric help or a good friend counseling him or something, because his behavior is dangerous to himself. I mean, he, he is throwing money away. When the Raiders released him, he lost like $10 million. And well, he he never, and he'll never make up for it. Right. And now he, he's lost a million dollars, according to Spotrack, because he was only eight catches away from bonus in, incentives and so forth. Yeah, and, 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 and his contract was I, – I tweeted this out this morning. His contract for this year was guaranteed, $3.5 million. Mm -hmm. okay. But, you know, when, you're, you're, when you get your paychecks in the NFL, you're not paid over 12 months. You're paid over 18 weeks. It was 17 weeks, but it was a 16-game schedule. So now it's it's – paychecks for a 17 game schedule okay so he's got one paycheck coming i can guarantee you and it'll end up going to arbitration tampa is going to find him everything for everything they can find to keep as much of that money as they can and they will hold that paycheck mm -hmm. or pay him you know take the fines out then pay him he'll go to you know he'll file a grievance It'll go to arbitration, and the arbitrator will say, you know, either give him his la that last paycheck or, you know, make up the difference or whatever. But that that's what's going to happen. You know, but people say, and, and there was a comment in there, well, the guy needs help. You can't come down on him like that. I, I don't agree with that. This has not been going on for three years. This has been going on since he's been 18. And people have looked the other way since he's been 18. And I don't know what the hell happened in high school, but there's a reason why he ended up at Central Michigan and he wasn't in, in the Big Ten or the he's from Florida, I think. There's a reason why he wasn't in the Southeast Conference. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, the guy's got problems. Yep. And people overlook the problems because of the talent and they want to win. But there becomes a point when you got to say, hell with it. It's not worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. yeah, he needs help. But who's it up to to get the help? It's not and, up to me. It's not up to you. It's up to him. And if he doesn't want to help himself, fuck him. 
exclamation point. <laughs> Enough said on Antonio Brown. And I think you said it very eloquently, even in that last sentence. <laughs> um, all right. I want, before we close the show, I want to talk about next week's game against the Minnesota Vikings and what is important for you to see. What is it that you want to see? Clearly, you talked earlier about uh, Jenkins should start this final game. You're, you're, you're holding on to that. What about Justin Fields? If the doctor says says he's ready to go and Justin says, I can go, do you throw him out there for that final game to see if he can uh, finish the season with a win and, and on an upbeat, uh, uh, with an upbeat performance? Yeah, I, I, you want to see that because you, you want to see him at least try to finish on a very promising note and, and, and get a win. i tell you what, it brings up an interesting point, although, and that's, uh, I, I saw a thing before we came on air that uh, Mike Zimmer said he has, you know, no thought about playing Kellerman to quarterback. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's the same argument, you know, Minnesota fans are going to have, why the game means nothing. Let's see what the guy can do. And it's the same thing. Okay, why are you playing Peters when you should be playing Jenkins? Mm-hmm. You know, because coaches think differently than even the front office does. And I wanted to get into this too, just so I can get the point out. Like Spielman is uh, Rick Spielman's the GM in, in um, Minnesota. Ryan Pace is the GM here, and and they have the designation or control of the 53-man roster. They decide, they have final say on who's on the roster. They do not have final say on who plays. That's the head coach's job. That's his responsibility. It's in his contract. So, you know, it's like I said, the thing with Lovey. That's, the, Lovey can say, sign him. I'm not going to play him. You know, so Mike Zimmer can say, I, I'm I'm going with the guy I want to go with. I don't want to go with mine. You know, because he knows it might be his last game and he wants to win. Yep. You know, so, and, and Nagy can be the same way. Right. You know, he's, he's going to get, probably get fired by the Chicago Bears in another week. Mm-hmm. And he wants to go out a winner. So, you know, he, he's going to put up a fight. Can, now, can, can Ryan Pace say, I think you should do this? Yeah, he can. But does Matt have to do it? Nope. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's hard to argue with the fact that these guys want to leave on a, on a winning note. And the other thing about Kellen Mond is he has not had a snap this season during the regular season, and he didn't even start a preseason game. He did see action in all three preseason games, but he didn't start a preseason game. And I think the the reason why is because they just looked at him in practice and said, yeah, he, he needs to just sit this year. He he needs to be sit. Well, Zimmer, Mike Zimmer said something to that effect. I've seen him in practice every day. I know what Kellamon can do. But then I've seen some writers like our, our buddy Mike Florio try to make a negative connotation out of that. And I don't see anything negative about the the comment he made. He just wants to go probably if Cousins is able to, if, if Cousins gets played, gets um, past COVID protocols, 
sometime this week. Cousins is going to be the guy playing quarterback against the Chicago Bears next week. Mm -hmm. I'd rather see Sean Mannion because then it's like seeing Mike Glennon all over again. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> A little better version, but pretty much the same guy. The Bears are actually big, playing. Big, big, tall guy, big tall guy who can't move out his own way. Yeah. The, the, the Bears are actually playing for the second place in that game. I heard that this morning. I was like, what? <laughs> what a joke. Uh, you know, all right. the, the one thing I, I, I'm going to say right now, I think they're going to win the game. They should have beat Minnesota a few weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think we've talked about it here. The, the referees had a lot to do with that mm -hmm. in that game. Um, I'm hoping Justin could play. I'd like to see him go go out on a winning note just to have that that positive feeling mm -hmm. going into the, the offseason. Um, which brings up another point. We might be here a while. Um, cool. Uh, Olin in a podcast um, earlier today, they asked him, you know, should, should Fields be involved in the interview process for whoever becomes head coach and, and Olin, you know, he, he hedged it a little bit saying, you know, I, I don't know fields first. He says, yes, you know, at least not, not an important part, but at least be able to sit down with whoever the candidates are and say, I like this guy the best and this guy the least or whatever, mm -hmm. but he's still a 22 year old, my feeling anyway. And, and then Olin, you know, corrected himself. He goes, but I haven't sat down with Fields and talked to him, so I don't know how he thinks. Yeah. You know, so, um, but I don't think, you know, if, if it's Aaron Rodgers, it's a different story, okay? But you got a 22-year-old who really isn't, you want him to be the face of your franchise, but he is not the face of your franchise yet. He hasn't earned that. Right. And so to have him be involved in the decision, I think that would be a mistake. I think that the, 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 maybe the better way to handle that is to ask Justin Fields what he wants in a quarterback coach. You know, and to ask questions about John DeFilippo, that way you make a decision on whether DeFilippo returns. You want to know how can Justin Fields better learn? Does he like somebody to kick him in the ass? Does he like somebody to pat him on the back? Does he like, you know, this or that and so forth? That way you try to create a, a good marriage between him and his quarterback coach. I think asking him for opinions on the head coach no way not at this point in his career i totally agree with you aaron Rodgers, he's earned that uh peyton manning right. he's earned that those guys those guys have all earned that right no absolutely and and you know if it was me i think i would have said well olin do you think you should have been when, when lovey got hired do you think you should have been involved in the hiring process <laughs> good question you know, because it's the same thing. I yeah. mean, he's always the quarterback. So what? You know, but uh, Lovey's biggest mistake his first year was that was the guy he hired as quarterback or as offensive coordinator the first year, and uh, you know he got rid of him the end of that that first season, and then brought in Ron Turner. He should have brought in Ron Turner the first time. 
you know, right off the bat. But you know, he wanted that he wanted that St. Louis Ram offense, mm-hmm. and so he got a guy who who knew how to run that offense. And that guy was fucking clueless. Excuse my language. <laughs> I love it when you swear. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, just you know, I think not, it's not a very good. I can't even remember his name, but not even not a good coach. I think his name was Mike Martz. <laughs> no, Martz was later. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you're talking about uh, the, wasn't it the guy from uh, Kansas City who ran that? Uh, uh, he worked for he he worked when when Lovey worked for Martz, and this guy was there, and then he was at Kansas City. Okay. Okay, now he's a quarterback consultant for some agents. Ah. That's probably what he's best suited for because he's a horrible <laughs> coach. <laughs> All right. Uh, some questions here I'd love to get out of the way before we pull the plug. The factor says, uh, will the Bears do anything different in their search for a head coach given their bad recent history? And he goes on to add, for instance, is there any word of George McCaskey being more engaged, trying something different to try and find the right, the right head coach? Anything that uh, you can tell us? I, I, I know as much as the the man who asked the question there. <laughs> you know, um, they're not saying anything. Number one, the brings up another point, too. I, I tweeted this out earlier today. Everybody thought there was going to be a bunch of firings in these last two weeks. Mm-hmm, How about mm-hmm. there's been none? Yeah. Okay. So this new rule to ownership means nothing. Okay. One team and they fired their guy weeks ago is taking advantage of it. And they're not, you know, going crazy doing interviews. They did one or two last week. That's how I see it up there, Bear Truth, but uh, Terry Shea. Yep, that's a name, a name I don't want to remember. So, um, <laughs> awful coach. The, you know, Jacksonville interviewed one or two guys last week. They're going to interview a couple guys this week. Um, but reality is, you know, all you can do is a two-hour, maximum two-hour Zoom interview. Are you going to hire a guy off of a two-hour Zoom interview? Absolutely not. Now, what you can do is eliminate somebody. Mm-hmm. You you can I can talk to you for two hours and say I want to talk to you some more. Or I don't want, I don't need to talk to you anymore. Um, but I'm not going to make a decision to hire you off of that. So and and the Raiders, hell, they fired Gruden what, four games into the season or something like that? Yeah. And they said right off the bat, we're not even starting the process until the season's over. And and part of that, and it gets to the, to the Ryan Pace thing, same thing with the Raiders. Well, is Mike Mayock going to be the GM? Is Ryan Pace going to be the GM? And Mike Mayock was GM in name only in that, he ran a glorified player personnel director because Gruden had final say on everything, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, it's the same argument, you know, with your, your football czar. It, it's it, don't tell me the title. Tell me the, what they have to do. What's their job description. Let me, let me challenge you on one thing regarding the zoom meetings. If okay. you, 
if you interview a guy like Todd Bowles, you know his reputation in the league. You've got a portfolio of his work based on his previous head coaching experience. You know people around the league who will vouch for him. You are, are one of them on this show. You've said that he should, he would be a good candidate. So is it not possible that you would have a two-hour talk with him and you would at the uh, on Zoom, and you would then say, you know what, I want this guy. Why, why, why continue the search As, with such a prominent candidate? Couldn't that happen? Yeah. In theory, yes. In reality, no. And here's why. And I and I know Todd, so I knew where you were going with that. Mm-hmm. So you know, I've worked with Todd, so I already have questions, but or I have questions answered that somebody who's never worked with him. Or, or spent time with him, you know, wouldn't have answered. The There's a lot of different areas you got to get into. It, you know, it's not as simple as, okay, who's going to be your offensive coordinator? Who's going to be your defensive coordinator? Who's your list for offensive line coaches and all that? There's philosophy. There's handling of players. Perfect example. A-B situation yesterday. How are you going to handle a situation like that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you going to even let it get to that point? Are you going to let a guy with his reputation even on your team? And these are little things like that, that you've got to get answered before you make a choice of hiring a guy. Mm-hmm. And it takes more than two hours. And, you know, you, you want to have that personal interaction. You know, I, 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 I can't look in, I, I'm on Zoom. I can see your eyes, but I really can't look into them. You know, and, and, you know, you're sitting in Arlington Heights and I'm up in Gurney, but, you know, and, and we know each other for a long time, but do I really know you? You know what I mean? Sure. You know, so it, it, it's, you, you've got to have that, that personal interaction. And so, it's with really with more than one person because there's there's a few people that that got to be involved in this process. Mm-hmm. So, like I say, I think you can, um, you know, it's like a golf tournament. You can't win a golf tournament in round one, but you can sure as hell lose it. Yeah, <laughs> these are uh, great great points that you make. So, let me ask, based on your experiences. How long should that face-to-face inter- interpersonal uh, conversation be with a prospective head coach? Like, for instance, I bring this up only because in some, when I studied uh, corporate management and so forth, sometimes they recommended that you have like three, four, five meetings. Uh, the Japanese are famous for sometimes spending an entire week with top candidates for high level positions at CEOs or senior executives and corporations and stuff. Do what do you, in the football world, what do you think is an appropriate amount of time to, to look into a guy's eyes and make that determination? Well, okay. It's a great question. And I think some of it has to do with, do you have a, a previous history with the candidate? Okay. So let's say, Okay, I, I, I'm on record as saying I'd, I'd like to see Brian DeBall interviewed. I've always wanted to see Dave Tobe. I just think, you know, I've, I've kind of pushed Dave off to the side because it seems like he's got passed so many times. He's not going to 
get the opportunity, even though he should have the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Dave is very qualified. Okay. I don't need to spend a lot of time with a Dave Tobe. I've worked with Dave for nine freaking years. What do I got to spend time with him for? You're right. <laughs> you know, I, th- th- there's some things that, that, that I have to get answered. Mm-hmm. And not only that I work with them, you know, for nine years, I probably golf with them for a hundred, hundred times, <laughs> you know, so I know the guy, I know his family. I know his wife. I know his kids, you know, so the, I don't need a, a six-hour interview with a Dave Tobe to help me make a decision on whether I want to hire the guy or a third or a fourth interview. Mm-hmm. With Dave Tobe, I want to know who his staff's going to be. I already know how he's going to interact with players. I've seen it. Who's your and staff? I know how the play- and I know how the players are going to interact with him because I've seen it. Who's your staff? How are you going to develop Justin Fields? Uh, those those types of questions is what you would. And want I already to. know. I you know I, I I because I've worked. I already know. Like I said, the situation like yesterday with AB. How you gonna How you gonna handle it? I already know how he's gonna handle it. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know that that makes it a little different. Talking that's that's for me. Okay, now. If, if the Bears were going to talk to Dave Tobe, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what George's relationship with Dave was when Dave was here. Mm-hmm. Dave was, you know, Dave was, or, or uh, George was working downstairs in the ticket office. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, what Ted's relationship was, you know, and, and, and how much they interacted. No, I know. I know what Jerry's and mine was. I know what Dave, uh, Bobby DePaul's and mine were. I, you know, I know how the coaches did, and I know how players Pat Manley and Robbie Gold and all those guys. I know how they interacted with them. So, you know, I already have those questions answered. Okay, now you know I like um, Todd Bowles. I already got. I don't have as many answers on Todd Bowles as I have on a Dave Tobe. Mm-hmm. But I'm still light years ahead of somebody that doesn't know him. And so they got to go through everything to find out. They got to be able to work together. Mm-hmm. You know, they got to be on the same page. And, and ownership has got to like the guy and buy into the guy. And can you buy into the guy and like the guy on a Zoom interview like this. That you bring up tons of great points there. Um, J-Rock wants to know about Dave Taub. He has he says he has no offensive or defensive system. And so and and Joe Judge, uh the Giants coach is probably <laughs> probably set back spe- uh, uh special teams coordinators back. Yeah, but what about what about Harbaugh? Well, that's right. He was a special teams coach. And was his assistant? Yeah. Um, who was Harbaugh's assistant? I don't know. In Philadelphia? How about a guy named Dave Tobe? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So it doesn't bother you that he's, uh, we don't have a portfolio of Dave Taub's offensive or defensive system. You know what well, he can Dave, do? Dave has always helped out in other areas. Mm-hmm. 
Kansas City. He's worked with the defensive line. He's been a defensive line coach. He's got experience there. Um, I know one guy he'd hire, and he's already on the staff. He's going to hire his kid right away. But <laughs> Shane. And Shane, Shane's going to be, you know, he's a uh, quality control guy, and he's been a quality control guy now for three or four years. He was he was a GA down at, at um, Illinois for Lovey, and then he came here. I don't know if it's three or four years here, but he's worked on both sides of the ball, which is good, you know, so you, you get a, a general understanding of everything. But, you know, Shane is ready to move up mm-hmm. the ladder. It's something. Is he ready to be a lead offensive line coach? And that's what he is by trade. He was an offensive lineman. He was a center. No. Mm-hmm. But could he be an assistant offensive line coach and be effective? Probably. I can't say definitively because I haven't seen Shane coach. But if he's anything like his dad, and, and, and I've known Shane since he's been, you know, the, the old knee-high to a grasshopper. <laughs> you know, when, when Shane was like this tall and a little 80-pound weakling, that's how that's what I met Shane told. That's funny. Um, Mr. Inglewood might have been joking when he wrote this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Does a Nagy extension happen if the Bears wallop the Vikings on Sunday, do you, is there still a chance? There was a report that the uh, Ian Rappaport said that the Bears are still haven't decided on his fate. Uh, Ian Rappaport just reports everything from this to that, and you know he speculates so much and, and oh, makes it sound like a news report. They're going to go. They're going to go in another direction, and so now he's already hedging. Yes, <laughs> yes. I oh, okay. Way to go, Ian. You know, right. stick to your guns. <laughs> Is anything possible? Yes. Now, I, I I was under the assumption that this might have been the last year in Aggie's contract. I did not know for sure. Molly said yesterday on the post game he's got one year left. That's what I, I I've learned, and it was Pace that reportedly his contract was supposed to end this year, but they have not and ended. They, I had read years ago when they when they hired Matt that. Nagy was extended so they'd be on the same. Okay. All right. Well, that would make sense. So now you're going to have to pay two salaries if you clear house at Hallis Hall. Um, A couple of other. The only, the problem you're going to have is, and there's a lot that goes into a decision like that, but the the problem you're going to have is, is selling it. Mm -hmm. And, if it was in Buffalo, it's not a hard sell. It's a whole different world here. Mm-hmm. You know, the size of the city and, and it's a media metropolis and 95% of the media want him out the door. So if you, next Monday, George comes out and said, Matt Nagy is here for one more year. You know that, you know, they're ready to nail his ass to the cross and crucify him. Yep. 
It's going to be a fascinating uh, week next week, uh, and, and we'll be here to bring it with you. Before we get out of here, there's still a couple more questions I want to get to. Is I'm sorry. <laughs> Pusha T says, if Shanahan gets fired in San Francisco, Bears should hire that guy right away. So I'm going Why? To- if he gets fired in San Francisco, now I, I, and I just want to argue. So please. if he can answer, please answer. If he gets fired in San Francisco and he's only had one winning season, why should he get hired here? And I'll wait for the answer. That that That's a great question. And while we wait for his response, I'll ask you this. Are there any coaches uh, right now in the NFL who, if they were fired uh, on next Monday, you would immediately say, I think we should stop our search like they did with John Fox, you know? John Harbaugh is the perfect example, although I don't think John Harbaugh is going to get fired at all. But no. would he be somebody that you would say, yeah, let's stop the search. Let's bring John in and, and, and make his uh, offer. I, I wouldn't stop the search, but I'd put him to the top of the list only mm-hmm. because of, of his resume. Mm-hmm. The, pr- the problem with John was, you know, John was well into his 60s, had some health issues when he was at Denver. And so, you know, how much, and I worked with John when he was a younger coach. So I know John when he had a lot of piss and vinegar and fire. And then I I saw John here and it wasn't necessarily the same guy. I'll tell you a funny story. And I might've said it a long time ago on the show. Mm -hmm. So, you know, John and I have been good friends going back to when he was a, defensive back coach at the University of Pittsburgh in the 80s. Okay. And so it's his first year here, and it's rookie minicamp. So the media are out there, and he looks over, and he sees me, and he does a double take. So he comes over, he grabs me so we can go off and talk by ourselves, and he goes, when the fuck did you go over to the dark side? Ah, that is great. <laughs> I just started laughing. I said, hey, John, I got to do something, buddy. <laughs> uh, Dented Fender uh, says, why do you think Coach Fox did not succeed with the show? I just, I, just, I just really said it there. I just don't think he was totally into it with that drive. And that's my own theory. Mm-hmm. You know, he did. I, I saw him as defensive coordinator in New York. And we went to a super, we lost, but we went to a Super Bowl. And he had turned around that defense before. You know, we had Dan Reeves as the head coach before that the defense was uh, was atrocious. And he he turned it around. And, you know, he it's John Fox that helped develop Michael Strahan and turn Michael Strahan into the player he became. Uh, and, and some other good players. Uh, you know, I saw the job that, he did in Carolina and he did a great job in Carolina. And I know, you know, having worked with him in New York and and been in tons of meetings with him, you know, what kind of evaluator he was. And he was very outspoken, Mm -hmm. but very outspoken in that he would challenge you. Mm. And I, and I I appreciate that. I can say, well, the guy's pretty good. Why? Why is he good? You know, you he wants you to, you know, you got to sell the guy. Parcells yeah. was Parcells was the exact same way. That's you know, the way to Parcells be. Parcells was like, 
I don't care. Oh, you like them? Why? Yeah, right. Tell me why. why? Tell me why. Sell them to me. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to buy them, you better sell them. Because if, if, if I take them and he isn't any good, guess who I'm coming back to? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I know the answer to that question. Ryan you know, for- you know, it's a funny story because we took um, Eric Dorsey. And I had been jumping on the table for Eric Dorsey. Mm-hmm. And so, um, funny story. I, I forgot all about this till right now. Mm-hmm. So, after we take this guy, he looks over. He goes, Gabriel, this son of a bitch better be pretty good. I said, he'll be good, coach. Trust me. He goes, yeah, yeah, trust you. He goes, you know where Bethlehem Steel is? And he goes, You'll be pushing a fucking broom over there if he's not working. I said, Coach, that plant's been closed for 10 years. He goes, exactly. <laughs> oh, I love that story. I love it. Uh, Ryan Fernandez. You know, that's why I said I could write a book. And I forget a lot of this stuff. I should, you know, just. Yeah. I, I, I forgot. All, I, I hadn't remembered that story in years, and it just came, popped them into my, my mind right here. Yeah. Well, we're collecting all of your stories here so we could start writing the book based on our, our show here. Ryan Fernandez has a good question about Matt LaFleur. What is your opinion of him as a head coach for the Packers? You know, I, I when they first got hired, I was like, uh, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. He's turned out to be a hell of a coach. Yes, right. Yep. And that's and and which goes to tell you in the number one, I mean, you gotta, you know, he was at Notre Dame for a little while. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he didn't kind of jump out, mm-hmm. but then you're kind of learning that a lot of the guys that were on Brian Kelly's staff were kind of held back from what they really wanted to do mm-hmm. and because it was going to be his way. And and that's a head coach's prerogative. But, you know, and I think that's, bec- you know, from what I knew of his Notre Dame days, and then he only had a few years in the NFL – that is because of that, 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 you know, I just like this guy isn't going to make it. And he, he's, I was wrong. I was totally wrong. He's done a hell of a job. He's a great coach. He really is. Uh, I, I hate to admit it, but uh, I agree. Well, uh, CJ Williams says, what do you think about Nathaniel Hackett, the Packers offensive coordinator? It's interesting that he asked that because I was actually doing some research on Hackett last night to put him on my list of candidates um, he seems to be, I mean, this guy has been around, wasn't he with Buffalo for a while? Uh, yeah, he was there. Really? And at, at Jacksonville, he was, he was on Marone's staff. He was at, at Buffalo, I think under Doug Marone and then was with Marone down in, in, in Jacksonville. And here's where you got to be careful. Nathaniel Hackett is, and I don't want to bash Matt Nagy, but it's Matt Nagy. This is Matt LaFleur's offense. Matt LaFleur is the play caller, not not Hackett. Mm -hmm. And you go back to when Hackett was a play caller in Jacksonville, what was his success besides none? He apparently, he apparently uh, has had success running the ball wherever he's gone. But he, I think yeah, he was but, still, it, but you follow where I'm going on that? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so I don't want Eric Bieniemy. 
I don't want Nathaniel Hackett because they aren't the they got the title, but they aren't the true coordinator hmm. in those situations. Like you know, now Lafleur was the, the, the coordinator in L.A. and he proved that theory wrong, so to speak, because you know McShay was or McShay McVeigh was the was the real coordinator, and that was his offense. So, yeah, there are exceptions to that rule, but I want the guy who wrote the book, not the guy who's paraphrasing the book. Mm-hmm. I don't want the cliff notes. And that, that's just me. You know, I, I, that's why I said I'd rather go with a Brian DeBall who has developed that scheme than his quarterback coach, say. Mm-hmm. You know, who's worked with that scheme and likes the scheme and has bought into the scheme but it's not his scheme. Do you, so you anticipate LaFleur will continue to have success post Aaron Rodgers? Perhaps not. Uh, uh, I don't know about that. Uh, when okay. you've got the best quarterback in the game playing for you, it makes everything a lot easier. Yeah, it sure does. So let's say if you were to replace Aaron Rodgers with a, off the top of my head, a Jimmy Garoppolo, do you think that Garoppolo would be playing better at quarterback and the Packers could still see double-digit wins with a quarterback of that caliber no. of Jimmy Garoppolo? No, Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't do a whole lot for me. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> you know, so – I, I think there's just been too much inconsistency in his game, mm-hmm. you know, over the years. There, there's been some brilliant moments, but not, you know, he, he's like this, mm-hmm. you know, the entire time. And and so, um, it's it's uh, it's just, you know, I I I, I want to see more consistency from that guy. Could could. He play well for Lafleur, sure, but that doesn't mean he's going to play well mm-hmm. because there's been, you know, he, he's had his opportunities for a number of years in San Francisco, and you know, never got it done. Greg, an hour ago, I told you we were going to uh, field the last question. The interesting we're, we're hitting on two hours, but that's okay. I know. So the interesting is, is that our number, our numbers of viewers have almost doubled in that time. So for so oh, we went from two to four. Yeah, no. Uh, just on YouTube alone, we, we're at over a hundred, and uh, there's a yeah, thousand. That's not enough. We need thousands. Well, at, on on uh, excuse me, on Twitter, we are getting thousands of viewers through our Twitter channel. So you add it all up, and we're definitely getting thousands. So well, then I need more money. <laughs> Another check is in the mail. You know, okay. you know I, 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 I'm going to walk off the field. <laughs> Whatever you I'm not do, gonna take my shirt off though because I, I was just gonna ask you. I don't got a body like AB. But uh, by the way, did you see that video of Antonio Brown farting while a doctor was examining him? No. Yeah, there is. I, I'll, I'll put it on your timeline, and when we're done here, but there's video of Antonio Brown going through some kind of a physical, and he is purposely farting and smiling at the camera. What an asshole. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this guy has no respect for people. So, uh, by the way, that Jay brings Br- you have a show last night. Do you watch Yellowstone? 
Uh, Yellowstone, I do not. That's uh, my wife and I have it on our list of shows to watch. Oh, God. That, it's, it's like one of the all time great. I was reading the like the Twitter thing on it because it was the end of the season four yesterday. Right. And and even though it's on a, like an off network mm-hmm. Paramount channel, that it, it it's hugely popular show, but I love it. But there was a scene uh, last night, and there was a uh, cat fight, and uh, one of the cowboys he just mentioned. First of all, this one guy comes in and he goes, and this is, it used to work on the ranch. I don't, I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but he has this line. And this is my my fiance because he had been working at, and he had an old girlfriend at, at the Yellowstone Ranch. <laughs> and this other cowboy just said, there he goes, well, this is going to go over like a fart in church. <laughs> Crack me up. <laughs> Definitely got to watch that one. Um, what else do you watch for entertainment that, that you like besides that particular show, Yellowstone on Paramount? Well, I'll tell you, the guy who writes Yellowstone, Taylor Sheridan, mm-hmm. he's got, have you seen the Sicario movies? Uh, yes, I uh, I saw the first one. I want to say okay. He's done both Sicario movies. Uh, he, he's done probably written, and when I say done, he's written sure and and been a producer or whatever. He's directed some, um, but there's another show on Paramount called the the Mayor that was new this year, uh, mm-hmm. called the Mayor of Kingstown. The same guy writes the script and is the uh, uh, executive producer. Uh, these are, it's great TV, oh, and then he's got a new a spinoff of Yellowstone uh, called 1883, and it's really you know it goes back 150 years from when the Dutton family first was going to Montana and then settled to Montana. They haven't got that far yet. They're only three shows in, three shows in. But um, I, I just think this guy is such a good storyteller and then when you go back and you look at some of the the movies Mm -hmm. and and you see the same thing he's a he's a great great storyteller cool we'll definitely be checking those out um with the off season coming we'll have a little bit more time to catch up on that long list of programs that we've uh we've uh putting off Uh, oh gotta ask this question before (laughs) because he's a doctor michael shatino md says mac jones or justin fields which rookie quarterback will have the best nfl career you know we we talked about this and i don't think you'll get much argument from even the people who are doing the drafting last april that Mac Jones was more ready to step in and play as a rookie than even Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Part of it was the offensive system, how he was coaching the offensive system he had at Alabama. So he was ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't have, and, and he's very studious, uh, very astute. Um, got great, great instincts, which you got to have to play that position. But I don't see the upside with him that you have with a Justin Fields or a Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. So I, I think what will be interesting is it you can't – you can say right now, yeah, Mac Jones is head and shoulders above everybody. Well, right now, yeah, that that is a factual statement. 
is it going to be a factual statement in two more seasons, after two more seasons? Or is Mac Jones going to level out or level off, mm-hmm. and these guys are going to keep climbing the mountain? Right. That and is- you go back And you go back and you look at that Buffalo Bills game last week, mm-hmm. Mac Jones was very, very ordinary. Yes, he was. Okay. Second time you, you know, you, you know, in baseball, I like to say, you got to get, you got to go through the starters a couple times to learn how they, you yep. know, they're throwing to learn how to, well, this is the second time he played the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. He got his ass kicked the second time through. And you could say the same thing about Matt Nagy's offense after the 2018 season in 2019, yeah, everything was there on tape for, for defensive coordinators to dissect. Boy, this has been a fun two-hour show. I wish we were starting all over again. <laughs> I forgot to hit the record button. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't remember anything I said. <laughs> well, I uh, tons of people joined us late. I urge you to go back and listen to the first half of the show because there's lots of fascinating stuff. And Greg and I will be here next Monday, right, Monday? Let me let me ask you this, and just yeah. as long as you know, we babble on the show, everyone. Sure. That's the fun part. Um, is Monday the right day to do it? Yeah, I, I, I was wondering the same thing because it's likely that Bears management will call a press conference for Monday, although last season they did not. They made us wait a few days. Yeah, last season they had, you had a whole different world. They had to- the reaction to the world, you know, with, with COVID. Yeah, but- that's true. You know, it, it's going to be like like when Jerry was let go, it was mm-hmm. Monday. Mm-hmm. When Lovey was let go, it was Monday. Yeah, you don't want to keep those guys waiting. When Tresswin was let go, it was Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's why it's called Black Monday. <laughs> that's right. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, and generally speaking, it's going to happen, uh, you know, in the morning where it's going to get out. I mean, for all we know, it could happen Sunday night if it's going to happen. Or they're going to say, you know, George is going to get up and say, Matt's going to be here one more year. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I like the way the team, especially, you know, use your hypothetical thing. They they go into Minnesota and they kick Minnesota's ass. So now they finish out the season going three and Mm oh. And say Justin Fields plays in this with three separate quarterbacks. Yeah. Okay, so... Now, like I say, it's going to piss off the masses, mm-hmm. but he owns the football team. You know, so yeah, nothing would shock me. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to be the case. I, I think when you just read the body language of, of Matt, yeah, you, 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 you see it and he may already know. Mm-hmm. Somebody said, and I can't remember who the hell it is, that, that oh, it's Lewis Riddick. And Lewis is, you know, pretty close to, to Matt. And Lewis said he already knows his fate. Now, he did say that, that he's just thinking that, or does he really know? Yeah, and they're supposedly good friends, although in well, that... Well, they are. They, they worked, I mean, I only worked with those guys for a year, but they, you know, Lewis worked with them for probably five, mm-hmm. you know, so, and, and knows them really, really well. I gotta ask you this question. 
<laughs> Pusha T does uh, is Nagy fired yet? And so you have said that management probably already knows what they are going to do. I guarantee you, they know what they're going to do. Okay. If they, I mean, could could they have made the decision a long time ago, and then last week, this week, and next week change it? Yeah, anything's possible. Sure. Hell, we might, you know, the that you know, meteor could hit the. What's that new movie that's out on Netflix and uh, about a meteor hitting the world and the, and the world ends at the end of the movie? Whoa! You gave away the ending. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I don't. I'm not sure. I want to see the theaters too, but um, yeah, I mean, shit. The world could end next week. I might be dead. I don't know. <laughs> no, we'll all be here next week. Whether it's Monday or not, we will determine that as the week goes on, and we'll certainly let let you know. Well, why don't we do this? It is we'll you and I will determine. Yes, Monday. Okay. And and let's see what let's see what happens Sunday. Maybe we got to go twice. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, maybe we got to go Monday and Wednesday or something. Who knows? I would love to do that twice. We could actually uh, uh, listen to the press conference together and then react immediately and then maybe talk more on the following day. But we'll play it by ear. We'll make a decision and we'll let people know. All they got to do is subscribe to our YouTube channel here or wherever you get your audio podcast. Just search Barroom Network and you will see. And, and by the way, you can go back and listen to Greg's past shows, Greg Grable Talks Football, just go to YouTube and hit uh, on search Greg Grable Talks Football and all the list of his shows will come up. This has been a fun two hours. Can't wait for next week. And well, it's exactly uh, two hours now. Wow. Yeah, it is. And so with that, I will let everybody know uh, tomorrow we're back here with more football content. And tonight we've got more programming, but I won't bore you with that. Just subscribe and you'll get all that information. Thank you, everybody, for joining us live and those who have watched On Demand. Bye-bye, everybody. See you later. Bye.